y'all. Today's episode is with Karen Blumenthal. Karen successfully navigated a 36-year career in public school education. She holds a master's degree in physical education and health, a diploma in school district administration, and certified in applied positive psychology. She studies with Corey Mascara, Joe Dispenza, and Tara Brock. In November of 2017, five months into retirement, she ventured into Death Valley, California. And in the Native American tradition, she completed a 10-day vision quest. She sat two 10-day Vipassana courses in the SN Goenka tradition. And she has completed all of the coursework for certification in Koru. And she's one of the teachers at the Long Island Center for Mindfulness and often speaks at colleges and public schools on mindfulness. Uh, Karen and I had a pretty good conversation here. I hope you all derive some value. But in the end of the um, conversation, she mentions a local group that she teaches at, but she does not mention the time of the group. So the group meets from 7 to 8.30 at night. Just wanted to add that information in there. All right, take care. We met Briefly after that class that I taught and you participated in, which I really felt, um, I told you a little bit after the class, but I really appreciated your presence and I felt very quickly a um, connection with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've only really met each other, I think, one or two times in person, but I feel like I've known you for longer. <laughs> yeah, people uh tend to tell me stuff like that. <laughs> well, that's good. I feel good about it. I was definitely um trying to be present or not even trying. I just felt it was easy to be present, you know. So, uh it was great that you picked up on it for sure. That's that's great. Um I guess maybe for people that are listening for their sake, maybe you can tell if you have like a an elevator pitch about your your journey, uh, maybe personally or professionally or whatever you, you feel, you know? Mm-hmm. My journey into meditation, you mean? Yeah, I guess so. That's why not. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I when I actually look back now, I think my journey started in high school. Uh, I went to an all-girls Catholic academy, and while they would have in those days, and that was in the 70s, they didn't, uh, meditation wasn't on the table, that, you know, wasn't coined in, in my world anyway there. Um, and, but I, I knew that the typical format that they had, while I abided by it, so to speak, I often found myself sitting on the grounds of the campus um, under a tree, just kind of communing with nature or in the chapel alone, not with any formal words coming. Uh, so when I look back now, all these years later, I'm like, oh, that I would have considered that now to be, wow, there was some sort of a practice. So I feel like that was the foundation for sure. And uh, then I was a physical education teacher for what turned out to be 36 years. And uh, part of my, uh, I don't know, I guess after looking out at these kids and as the journey progressed, probably in the 2000s, I started really looking at these kids and seeing the stress that they were under and just thinking that, you know, this basketball, volleyball, the typical sports, you know, that we did in physical education, 
wasn't doing it for them and it really wasn't doing it for me. Uh, so in, I guess, the early 2000s, I started to play with meditation, teaching it in my phys ed classes. And it was interesting. I had a little pushback from my colleagues, kind of, you know, thinking, what are you doing in there? Are they sleeping? Or, you know, like this isn't something worthy. And I just kind of knew. Uh, I would joke, like, let's see if we can look at the kids walking across the gymnasium after class and tell who just meditated hmm. and who played a sport. And to me, it was just an obvious obvious you know and even my colleagues were like oh hmm you know so um i stayed with that and the kids seemed very receptive they were um you know saying can we do this before the june exams and you know so i knew i always was very much teaching from where i was out in my life mm -hmm. and it felt authentic and it felt like it was being received so I did, I did some loose stuff, uh, you know, not, not a whole year's worth, but um, there was a solid unit of it. And, um, and then in 2003, I started a, a project adventure class, which was a class that was uh, team building, communication, high ropes climbing. And I started to see even more of a space to add that contemplative, you know, slowing down you know it was no longer the check if every kid in the class was moving for the entire 40 minutes because my most of my career in phys ed that's what a, a college professor would have come in and been doing watching if every kid in my class was moving for every single minute so when project adventure emerged that wasn't the case there was it was a, just by nature much more of a reflective class you know, I, uh, when a kid is about to climb a 45-foot tower at the end of the year in the spring, you know, you better believe that they're going inside and checking in on, you know, how they're, they're monitoring themselves. Mm -hmm. you know, how am I feeling? Am I ready to do this? What do I think about this? Can I do it? Uh, you know, what's the fear around it? There's so many things. And also, um, I didn't belay any of the students. I taught them how to do everything. And then I, you know, let them take over, uh, adding to the um, accountability of everyone and the trust that needed to be built from day one. Um, so I just felt, again, you know, we would go over breaths and how you can become present and just staying in the moment. Don't think about the next handhold that you have to get to. Just stick with the one you're on. So interesting now, looking back, um, never knowing I was going to be where I am now, um, it was physical med meditation all the way, uh, you know, every second of it. Just I wasn't calling it that. It was just let's, you know, just get settled. Get settled into where you're at this second. Don't move ahead, you know. So now I'd call it present moment. But uh, then it was very helpful, very helpful. I think that it may be helpful for some of the people that are listening because um, a lot of people in – that I speak to in my life or in my classes, they'll ask questions and this topic will come up. Um, that a lot of times I find myself saying when I'm teaching, um, imagine that you know, you're bringing attention to your breath or whatever we're bringing attention to, like you were watching a sunset or like you were um, 
you know, feeling water from a river flow onto your fingers. Like in those moments, we don't feel like we're, we're doing anything. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. I think you said um, being in a community with, uh, with nature or, uh, for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just kind of this organic, we know how to do it because we are, because of the human experience and you said looking back when you think about yourself just sitting under a tree I have you know I had visions of myself when I was younger when you said that I had visions of my memories came up as you were saying that of myself doing that and how I too was meditating without calling it meditation so maybe we can speak to um what about that? You know, like people will ask, you know, sometimes I, I like to just sit outside and, you know, listen to the birds. Like, and they'll ask me, am I meditating? Like, what, what do you, how would you respond to that? I would actually respond today. Yes. I just returned. I started on this new adventure uh, last week. Um, I'm taking a teacher in training one year uh, course with, uh, I be me, which is, stands for inward bound mindfulness education. And the first morning that we were there and for every day after we were told to walk out into nature, find a place not to, to put too much thinking around it, just what felt good for us and to sit down. It was called our sit spot and the meditation was opening it was an awareness meditation of all that was happening so it was looking at the breeze through the trees looking at the grass looking at a tree looking at the rock you were sitting on whatever was coming up and then noticing all of it so would i say listening to the birds yes if the intention is to do it in a way that is very present it could be uh, daydreaming, you know, so I think you can't just sit down and, uh, well, you can, but in my opinion, as far as the question goes, if it's meditation, for me, it's an intentional act. I'm mm-hmm. being very present, noticing what I'm noticing, uh, feeling and using all of the senses, but my eyes aren't closed. Um, and that, because seeing, that is another awareness, you know, that's another sense that we can you know, tap into. So today the answer is absolutely yes. I'm not sure what I would have said, you know, 20 some odd years ago, but um, yeah. And I found it to be very powerful. In fact, I was talking about it the other night to the group, um, you know, in Sayville and saying um, there's something organic. Can you use that word that shifts your whole nervous system when you're sitting close to nature? Uh, and I always, my personal practice is one of sitting in the morning outside. And even during the rain, sometimes I do have a place outside that I can sit. And after doing this last week, I, I have now moved my spot closer to nature, not sitting on the pool cement or whatever, sitting in the grass, sitting by the tree, much closer. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I think it just... I think for me, and I think from what I heard from the 26 other people in this cohort, it draws, nature just draws you in. I think we know from being children, that's what we came from. 
You know, we didn't have to be told how to play in nature. We just did it. And that feeling, I think, is still buried somewhere deep. So it comes up when you, so, when you um, practice. I'm thinking right now, I, uh, I went on a retreat and it was... Well, it was an intensive retreat of Vipassana, which I know you've been on a retreat like that. So yeah. it can be pretty yeah. um, intense. And when we would have breaks, I guess you could say scheduled breaks, I would walk from the meditation hall to my um, residence, but I would always stop and I would watch the chipmunks. And I just yeah. had this, I, I, there was always this one chipmunk. I was there 10 days and after three days I realized I'm seeing the same chipmunk or similar chipmunk eating the, a similar thing in a similar spot every day. And it had its routine. And I, uh, it was also very lonely because we weren't talking or making eye contact or eye contact or anything. So I sort of developed an internal relationship with this chipmunk and a lot of peace that comes from it. Yeah. Um, but all that to say that now a lot of my meditation currently is walking when when I'm at work, I will take a break and I'll walk through. And I work on a university campus, a beautiful campus, and there's a, a little um, trail, hiking trail on the campus, and mm -hmm. it's filled with chipmunks. And uh, so it's just something in that connection with whatever it is about the chipmunks, or maybe it's just that I'm out in, in nature and the chipmunks happen to be there, but it brings me it, – it, it's – much easier for me to come to a place of intentional awareness there than if I'm in a room. As you can hear, I'm in a, an office building right now, and you can hear the this noise. I'm gonna have to edit this out. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Actually, maybe I won't. You know, this is part of it. <laughs> it is. It's what, this is what we're. This is what we're dealing with. <laughs> this is true. True life stuff. <laughs> It's not bothering me. I'm just noticing it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, so the um, being out in nature is. I also, I just bought a home, and I happen to have a decent amount of land, and I've been going out and weeding the garden, and mm. you know, weeding yeah. the lawn, and there's something about just like touching the dirt and the, you know, smelling the the different variations of weeds and, and I'm also growing vegetables and just that whole like sensory experience of being out in nature is yeah it, it makes it easier for me to be there yeah I agree I think that for people that are beginning um it may be an easier transition in an easier door um, I started to do some walking in nature meditations uh with folks and uh we've we've done a few where it was actually raining out, but in the canopy of the trees, we were not getting wet and, uh, but you could hear it. It was just a very, you know, just imagine just light raindrops falling onto the leaves of the canopy that's above your head. And while you can hear it, you're not witnessing it hitting you. So it's not giving you any uh, reason to want to run out of it, at least not that day. And I had one of the participants come out afterwards after we kind of were walking through the field back to our cars. And he said, I don't know why on a rainy day I stay inside. This just like blew my mind. Like, what have I been missing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's really. And, and to go back to Vipassana, um, on, on my last 10 day, 
uh, I hit a, a pretty tough day, uh, somewhere around day maybe eight or so. And I woke up and I wasn't sure. I actually said to myself, was I sick? Did I have the flu? I felt like really, really off. And um, But instead of, I, all I did, I just decided to just stick with it and see what happened and not push against it and see if I could tolerate it. And um, it, the feeling was, you know, imagine if you've ever had the flu. So it wasn't like just minor. It was like, wow, I really do not feel good. But I just kept going through the sits that we were, you know, scheduled to do. And then at lunch after, um, I don't even think I ate lunch that day. I just, it was, uh, it was raining. So another rain story. And I just took an umbrella and I walked back and forth, walking meditation outside, eyes opened, really close to a stretch of trees. And I probably walked 20, 20 feet turned around 20 feet and I just did it for a solid hour. And while I didn't feel a hundred percent after that, when I went back for the afternoon and evening sessions, it definitely shifted something in me. And by the next day I was absolutely fine. So there was no flu. It was just, I don't know what it was. It just was a different day. But um, that whole thing was, was really uh, pivotal. Like, wow, look at that. You know, and uh, I don't know if I was home here, I might have just been like, oh, man, I'm really sick. I have to stay in bed today. But that wasn't the luxury there, which I was grateful for when I look back on it mm -hmm. and uh, getting outside again, because, you know, as you know, in Vipassana, they pretty much you're inside for every sit. Um, so the being able to, to move um, and just be close to the trees, that was the real key. I didn't just walk up and down. They had a driveway area that you could walk up and down that felt more open to me. I picked this area of grass and I just stayed right on the tree line as close as I could be and just back and forth. So, yeah, yeah, I think nature's got a powerful message for us. Uh, and as a kid, oh, my gosh, I, I just was one of those kids that <laughs> I can remember my mom calling us in for dinner. There was four of us. I was the oldest. And uh, back in my day, which is the, <laughs> I hope we're going back to this, but kids were just tossed outside, like go play. There was no cell phones. There was no, you know, they didn't even give us toys. Just like create, imagine, play, you know, just be in the dirt, do whatever. Don't come in the house, you know, kind of thing. And I remember uh, being called in, particularly at like this time of the year when it was beautiful out and, and then just standing at the back door and um, we had a jealousy door and having it open with the screen and just taking huge breaths, almost as if I was trying to capture the outside into me and hold it with me while I walked in the house for the night. Like I that much did not want to come in the house. And it's just crystal clear. Like as I'm telling you, as I'm re recounting the story, I can see myself doing this. And I don't know that now I would say, look at that. That's, that's deep well, you're, meditative breathing, yeah, <laughs> but well, I didn't know. The, the image you're painting, I've, I have feeling a strong desire to go uh, capture some air. <laughs> well, sitting in your little cubicle there is probably making this, this a hard conversation. We're talking about it. I'm looking at these white walls and these black chairs, and I'm, I need to take a step outside after this. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But, I'm priming um, you right now. <laughs> Let me see. What do I have here as far as questions? 
Um, you know, maybe we can talk about this for a little bit because I try to keep the episodes on the podcast to like 30 minutes and we're starting to, you know, I don't know, I think we're probably about 20 or 20 something, but you and I both, you teach much more than me at this um, Sayville um, class, but I've taught it before and I will be there August 20th and August 27th. Can you talk to anybody that might be listening that lives on the island that is looking for a class? Can you talk about what happens at this class or where it is, um, how they can find out about it, maybe just some information about it for people that are interested? Sure, sure. So it's, uh, st- it was started uh, almost three years ago now by Corey Muscara from the Long Island Center for Mindfulness. Uh, we meet every Tuesday night at 11 Collins Avenue in Sayville. It's uh, a Unitarian church that uh, has given us, rented us out the space. And it is a very informal, um, not necessary that you ever meditated before. So it's, you will people will find that there are people sitting who have had long practices, but there's also people that come in and they've never meditated at all. So um, it's a donation-based group uh, just to keep the, you know, um, the rent paid and, and uh, the teachings uh, compensated for. Um, and it, it runs anywhere from 20 people to, you know, if Corey's there, the, the attendance certainly goes up. You might find 50 people there. It's an opportunity for people to come in and have a teacher and learn about uh, various types of ways that they could enter meditation. And then there's a topic usually, um, not usually, always, uh, that we talk about just to share a little bit more of the different teachings that go around with, with mindfulness. And then there's usually time for people to ask some questions about their personal practice. But what I find the most valuable is I know for me in my life, I have never personally stuck with anything uh, without partners. So for example, in 1984, the year before that, I decided I wanted to do an Ironman triathlon. And for me, it was a huge goal. And I knew I needed a year to get there. And um, I solicited two other partners, and I am crystal clear to this day that I probably would have never made it to the start line without those other two people, because every time I wanted to give up, one of them didn't, and every time they wanted to give up, I didn't. So I have found meditation, a practice of meditation, especially in the beginning, after you get through the, oh, this is wonderful, possibly stage, um, it becomes a practice that you have to attend to every single day. You have to give it time. You have to nurture it. And I find that after a while, people can get um, frustrated. And if they don't have a group, you know, to back it up, um, a lot of times they won't stick with it. So the Sable group is, is really cool because you get different teachers, you being one of them, me being one of them, Debbie um, DeBetta, who's uh, steeped in, in lots of knowledge and works a lot with teachers in Nassau County, and Corey himself. Um, and then the best part is you learn from the people there through their struggles, through their successes. So that's pretty much, uh, pretty much a great space. So my experience is there. I always feel very much at home and even if there are you know sometimes I'll teach and there'll be 
no familiar faces, but the almost like the energy of the building and the um, yeah. the energy that you all have created over there is very inviting. So I would want people that are listening that are thinking about it maybe to to know that from my end it's important that they know that it's very it's very much an inviting space and comfortable yeah. at least that's my experience there and i met you there so i'm grateful for <laughs> that and uh, yeah I, I am as well i i attend even when i'm not teaching because i you know i i just really really believe in the sangha uh you know yeah. you need to have the support and it keeps you on track and i love sharing this work with others and i love um, especially love people who are coming in as beginners because the, the newness of it, their excitement, they're not, you know, I wonder what this is going to be like. I just, I just think it's fabulous. And it helps the people also that, you know, maybe have been doing this for a while. And, you know, it, it, you, know you, you see it from the beginner's eyes, they would call it, beginner's eyes. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really cool space. So uh, we're going to keep working on expanding it and keep offering more teachings and and yeah sure we i hope all your listeners will will come down me too all right so in the sake of time and uh the attention span of of the <laughs> race right now i think we can close up here but i just wanted to say thank you on behalf of me and anyone listening and anybody who is listening um please come on down to the Sayville class because there's more conversations like this and a lot to learn as far as meditation from Karen and some of the other teachers there. But uh, thank you again, Karen, for being on. Well, thanks, James. It was, it was my pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye.